Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Hey, if you're in the room here with us, stay standing for a moment. Colchester, Barry St. Edmunds, online, we welcome you. It's great to have you with us again every week. We are all together. Let me read this to you. Social entrepreneur, academic, author, foster parent, adopter, consultant in three areas, inspirational communication, rapid mobilization, and transformative collaboration. Chair of the Adoption and Special Guardianship Leadership Board. Spoken at Q Conference in Nashville and a full house at TEDx Oxford, which we'll forgive him for. On the topic, Can Hospitality Change the World? A member of the Global Leadership Summit and has spoken in places as diverse as Apple HQ, Googleplex, the Cabinet Office in Westminster and the Royal Albert Hall. And he's a Liverpool fan. So this guy's a busy man. Would you please put your hands together? It's our privilege today to have Dr. Chris Kandai. Come on, put your hands together and let's welcome Chris. Good morning. You know, I should add C3 to that list, shouldn't I? I, I love coming here. I feel very much at home, even though my... Um, my background is more connected to the other place. But I feel at home here because I look out at you and I wish I could see you online in uh, Bury St. Edmunds, Colchester, and a uh, special welcome uh, if you're joining us from prison this morning. But as I look in this room, I love how diverse we are. I am a diverse person. Uh, my mother was born in India, my father was born in Malaysia, my father's father was born in Sri Lanka, and uh, my mother's father was born in Ireland. There you go. <laughs> Malaysia, Sri Lanka didn't get a shout out, but Ireland does. There you go. How did that happen? I don't know. But my wife, um, she was born in England, but her mother's Welsh, and uh, we have six children between us, and um, most of them, well, all of them are born in the UK. Um, but three of them were born to other families. They weren't able to live with those families, so we became their foster parents and adoptive uh, parents. And we have uh, 10 people that live in our house right now. And one of them is a, a lovely lady that arrived from Ukraine two months ago. And uh, it's amazing to see her thriving. So I, you can see why I feel at home in this room. I love that we've got the nation's presence. Really, really good to see you. Now, I want to talk about change. Now is a brilliant time to be thinking about change. And whatever stage you're at in your journey, whether you're someone this morning that counts yourself as a follower of Jesus, uh, or whether you're new to faith, or this is your first kind of exploration, I want to tell you now is a great time for change. I'm uh, having a bit of deja vu. Uh, we are getting ready for back to school. Hands up if that's you and your family. There are people going back to school. Uh, actually, I'm seeing some kids going, yes! The holidays are over. I'm ready for school. Excellent. I love looking at all the faces on the front. Aren't they excited? I'm going into year one. I'm going into year four. Well, as a parent, I feel like I'm having that deja vu. I've been here before. In fact, 20 years of sending kids to school, and I think I've still got 10 more years left 
because of the age of our children. That's a lot of writing in plimsolls with Sharpie pens. That's a lot of pank lunches. That's a lot of school uniforms. Can you think how many pairs of socks that is getting ready? And I've been here before. I remember my first day of school. I remember walking into the classroom and I'm holding my mum's hand. I remember how tightly I gripped it because I was a bit nervous about going to school because I didn't look like the other kids. My school was not that diverse and uh, my mum was like the brownest person in the school playground apart from me. And now I remember taking my kids to school thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've been here before. How have we come to this again? 20 years of taking kids to school. And, and it feels like we've been here before again, isn't it? It's another summer over. We're about to have, uh, you know, pumpkin spice lattes available already in the shops. It's going to be Halloween soon. And then, you know, November the 5th and then Christmas. And that'll be another year gone. And we've been here before over and over and over again. Same old, same old, same old. And the weirder thing for me is that my body is uh, not as good as it was when I was doing it at the beginning. Bits are beginning to creak. Um, bits hurt that I didn't even know I had. And it's going over and over and over and over and soon it will be gone. Now, at the same time as it's the same old, same old, there's also something fresh and new going on, isn't there? We've never been in this situation before. There are crises happening around our world. Many people across the nation are terrified of opening the mail and looking at their electricity bills or their gas bills. We've got a new prime minister starting tomorrow. We've got this new season as the, the, the leaves do change and summer's over. We're in a time of something brand new. Isn't that weird? It's the same old, same old, and yet there's something fresh going on. Now, the ancient Greeks helped us understand this paradox that time is both circular and also surprising. And uh, they had two different words to help us understand time. Uh, one was chronos, and the other was kairos. You can put them on the screen if you like. Hey, there you go. Uh, you've learned two Greek words. You're already having a good morning. You're, you're, uh, you're ahead. Now, chronos time is circular time. It's a time that goes on and on and round and round and round. It's why clocks, are they make sense to be circular because we've been here before and again and again and again and again. But kairos time, that's different. The best way of thinking about kairos time is imagine that you're an archer and you're getting ready to shoot an arrow at maybe an enemy that's kind of approaching you on a hill. And you, you, you just pull, you, you get your stance ready, you knock your arrow, you line it up, you breathe, and then at exactly the right moment, you let that arrow fly and you hope that it hits the target. Now that exact right moment, that's what the ancient Greeks called kairos time, a special significant moment that could lead to a significant change. Now I believe that we are in a kairos moment. This is a special time. And I mean that at lots of levels. Yes, it's a special time for our nation as we're going through all sorts of change. It's a special time for our government. But I believe it's also a special time for you and your family and this church. 
And that's what I want to talk a little bit about uh, from the Bible. And then I want to show you one example for where it's a really important moment right now in the history of our nation. Are you up for, you up for that? All right. If you have a Bible, uh, good. Well done. And uh, open it to Mark chapter 1. And if you're wondering, look, it's a new term. Uh, what should I kind of give myself to in this season? Uh, I always encourage people to start with the Gospels. If, if, if the Bible's not a book that you know well, here's a great book to get started in and read the Gospels. And Mark, it's the fastest one. Things are happening super quickly. Jesus is always zipping around everywhere. It's one of the reasons I'm annoyed with a book called The Relentless Elimination of Hurry. Because if you get rid of hurry, you kind of get rid of Jesus. Because Jesus is always zipping around doing stuff, even on his day off. Anyway, have a look. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Actually, let's read from 14. It says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And, and if you've got GCSEs or A-levels this year, you might know that it's good to have little summaries of what you're studying. Well, here is a little summary of the gospel as Jesus understood it. And it's a sentence long. Okay, so here's the headlines, the summary of Jesus' gospel message. Verse 15, the time has come. Remember, there were two words in Greek uh, for time. When Jesus says time here, he's saying the kairos moment has come. The defining moment of all history has come. And actually, our calendars celebrate this kairos moment. Because it used to be BC, didn't it? Before Christ. And now it's Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. And it's because of Jesus coming that the calendar got reset. Because our history recommends and, and underlines that this is a Kairos moment. Everything changes because of Jesus coming. And it's a particularly important moment because John the Baptist has been put in prison. Jesus is an incredibly humble and gracious king. And he didn't want to step on the shoes or the feet of John the Baptist. So he lets John the Baptist do his thing and proclaim the message. And then when John the Baptist is in prison, now Jesus can turn up. John the Baptist is like the trailer or the warm-up act, re uh, releasing the way for Jesus to come forward. And then Jesus says, now, here it is. The moment has come. I'm ready to release the gospel, the good news to you. And here, it's, here it is. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Now, we live in the United Kingdom. I'm hoping it's going to remain united despite the most likely candidate for prime minister not having a great relationship with the, uh, the head of the Scottish government. I'm hoping we'll remain a united kingdom. That would be brilliant. But a kingdom is somewhere where a, a king or a queen has their reign. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he's saying God's reign God's power, God's control is breaking into our world in a different way than it has before. At one level, God is reigning over the entire universe. He's the king of everything. But at another level, we're still seeing brokenness, evil, injustice, suffering, despair. And so God's kingdom is, it hasn't exerted itself to its full power. That's why in the Lord's Prayer we say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The same way that God reigns over the heavens, one day he'll reign perfectly on the earth. And that's why in that song we said, look, we believe that God can break through in our lives. 
you know, even over really tough stuff like mental health and cancer. We mentioned those. And that songwriter didn't say that lightly. He's not promising or she's not promising that God will always heal in every circumstance. Sadly, we've got friends, haven't we, that have died or are suffering with cancer or mental health. But we pray one day your kingdom come in its fullness. And Jesus, when he preaches the gospel here, says it's breaking in, it's coming. We're at a decisive moment. Nothing's going to be the same because my reign is coming. And when Jesus goes around doing his ministry and healing the sick and feeding the poor, he's saying, this is a taste of what's to come. One day this will happen everywhere to everyone. But in the meantime, this is a taste. The kingdom of God is coming. And here it is. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is what's happened. The good news is God's kingdom is coming. And it's coming because Jesus has turned up on the earth. And you and I, we've got a response. And, and repent just means change. Now is the time for change. Stop doing what you were doing before. Turn things around and start following God. Allow the good news to shape every step, every decision, every hope, every plan that you have. Repent and believe the good news. There you go. There's the summary of Jesus' message. Now, this message is incredibly good news, but it's also incredibly challenging. This idea that God's inviting you to change. Think about it this way. You remember the first day of term. Can you remember that? When you're maybe going into primary school and uh, you, know, you remember how your exercise books looked at the end of term before. Do you remember that time you tried to feed your exercise book to the dog? So that you could, even if you didn't have a dog, you could say the dog ate my homework. Do you remember that? Or do you remember those ink blots that you had left on the page when you tried to use a fountain pen and it had all gone badly wrong? Do you remember that? And then, do you remember the first day of term, they'd give you new exercise books. Do you remember them? Can you remember the smell of them? Didn't they just smell of a fresh start? Wasn't it amazing? Do you remember how neat your handwriting was on the first page of the new exercise book? Didn't it feel good? That fresh start, never mind about last year and the exercise book there, but this year things are going to be different. That's what God's offering each one of us. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Now is the time. This is the Kairos moment. Here's your opportunity, a new start. And God doesn't just say, look, turn over a new leaf, I'll give you a new book. God says, I will give you a new life. The old is gone, the new has come. You can be born again. It's incredible. What an opportunity. I don't know, I always get a buzz out of September. I always start new stuff, don't you? I'll start a new course. You know, maybe I'll, I'll be better at learning this year. I'll start a new exercise regime. Brilliant, I'm up for it. You know, I'll start a new routine to my life. I'll pray more. And, and, and it doesn't always go well, but at least the hope of it is quite exciting. Wherever you guys are at the moment, God's saying, now's the time. You know, if it's start a new life with me, that can happen even this morning. You haven't got to wait until the kids go back to school. Even this morning, God can say, start a new life. And God offers us that new beginning because God is doing a new thing in our world. The future doesn't have to be the same as the past. God is doing something exciting and he calls you to be part of that. I want to give you a very practical way that's happening right now 
in our nation. Um, Steve read out a very long list of things in my bio, and most of them are a little bit exaggerated. It just helps me get into the right rooms. I mean, it's all true. It's just, you know, it happened over many years. So, you know, that's, that, that wasn't a week in my life. But for me, I, I've been given opportunities in my life to work with refugees. And uh, it started when my wife and I were, were working as missionaries in Albania. And uh, Albania is an amazing country full of incredibly generous people. The most hospitable people I've ever met were in Albania. People were so poor, but so incredibly generous. Isn't that always the way? The poorer you are, often the more hospitable and more generous you are. don't know what it is. The richer we get, the more miserly we become. But Albania went through a bit of a crisis when we were living there. And there was um, the neighboring country of Kosovo started having a, a, an awful genocide. And thousands of Kosovans who speak the same language as Albanians moved in to Albania. And then when, when my wife and I returned to Britain, I was working for a church in northwest London. And I'm walking down the road and suddenly I can hear some Albanian language. And it was two guys who were trying to do a kind of crazy paving patio for a, a family. And I, I just stopped and I greeted them. I said, Skimmy, Sieni, Mirsevini, Anglia. And it was as if they'd seen a ghost. They kind of jumped out of their skin. I don't think they'd ever seen a brown person speak Albanian before. It was like a game changer. They just couldn't believe it. And, and they forgave me for my bad grammar and my bad accent. And they just, we suddenly made friends. They were Muslim Kosovans that had come to the UK. One of them was a doctor, but had struggled to find work as a doctor because his qualifications didn't translate. So what's he doing? He's doing crazy paving. What a waste of all that man's training and skill. Anyway, we got chatting, and in the end, we ended up starting a language school so that Albanian Kosovan children could remember their mother tongue. And we did that in our church. I remember one day we put on a cultural event and we had Albanian and Kosovan dancing and singing and poetry. And there's probably about 150 people crammed into a tiny room. It was incredibly sweaty. You know, you know, you get that lovely haze in here. I love it. I think it looks really cool. Helps the lights to be more defined, apparently. The haze created by 150 people dancing is, is made of sweat. <laughs> and it was not nice. But one of the guys comes out of this sweaty dance and uh, he says, I don't know what's going on here. You know, my experience of Christianity was Serbs trying to exterminate my family. But I'm here and the people that have been most welcoming to my family is the church. And I'm dancing, having a taste of home. And on the, the, the wall behind me, it says, Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't explain this, what's happening. And I thought, that's exactly what the church should be doing. We should be a place of welcome for everybody. We offer love and service and kindness, irrespective of someone's background or belief. We offer it because every single person on the planet is loved by God. And so every opportunity we have to show that, we offer it. No strings. You know, you, you don't say, look, you can come and dance in our church and learn your language if you sign up for an Alpha course. We say it's offered to you free, no strings. But if you want to know what drives us, what's, what the passion comes from, we'd love to share our faith with you. We'd love, we'd love for you to explore that for yourself. And when people hear that, man, Christianity means something different. That was in the 1990s. Now, 
I started this job working for the government, um, working with the government. Um, I'm not employed for or by the government, but I work with the government trying to find them a solution to children in care that need loving homes forever. I'm an adoptive parent. That's how we got so many children. It wasn't six pregnancies. It was three pregnancies and three fostered and adopted children. And uh, it was a weird thing, right? Because I could only work for the government for one day a week, but I couldn't work for the charity that I founded because that would be a conflict of interest. So I've got, I got four days spare. And I'm going, how am I going to pay the bills? How is this going to work out? And then Three things happened in a row. It was really weird. The, the UK, in the middle of lockdown, opened its borders to people from Hong Kong. Have you noticed? There's been an amazing, lovely movement of people from Hong Kong to the UK. Things are quite tough in Hong Kong in terms of political uh, and um, press freedom. And so about 100, 120,000 people came to the UK during the lockdown period from Hong Kong. Uh, is there anyone here from Hong Kong? You are very welcome. Fun Ying to you. Nice to see you. And... Uh, the church got to be part of the welcoming team to make sure that Hong Kongers felt they could belong here. At a time when people thought, you know what, uh, there's an American president saying this whole virus is, do you remember he said it was horrible? He called it Hong Kong flu and he called it a Chinese virus. So at the same time loads of Hong Kongers were coming here, there was a spike in race-based hate crime. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if the church could get there first, ahead of the haters, and be there to say, look, we want to welcome you. You might need some help getting to know, you know how our systems work. We, in lockdown, no one understands what's happening. But if we can give you some help, we'd love to do that. Can we help you get your kids into school, sign up with a GP? And the church shone. Here was an event that took place in Sutton. And about 600 Hong Kongers came to a little party that the church put on in its town centre uh, in order to welcome people. We did that again and again. There was one in uh, Milton Keynes. 2,000 Hong Kongers came and uh, were welcomed by the church. Church, you did great. The government saw that and they said, you know what? We've got another small problem. Um, we've got like thousands of people from Afghanistan that we need to offer some kind of help to because uh, we've all pulled out our military forces and um, the Taliban are coming and anyone that worked with us, uh, they're a target. So if you're a translator or a security guard, you could get killed by the Taliban. We need to evacuate these guys. Do you remember last summer uh, in August, you saw those pictures of those cargo planes, people hanging onto the outside. Anyway, I'll get the call and they say, look, we love what you did with Hong Kong. Uh, we've got 3,000 Afghans have to move out of their quarantine hotels into 30 different hotels among, around the UK. Do you think you could help us? And I'm going, oh, I'm pretty sure we can help you. And they said, well, well, where are you? And I said, well, we're the church. Like we're in every city, every town, every village. There are groups of Christians, communities of Christians that have two jobs in life. Love God and love their neighbour. And loving Muslim refugees from Afghanistan, that's right in our wheelhouse. That's what we live for. So you let us know where we can help you. And, and by, in 24 hours, 30 churches had stepped up to come alongside Afghans who had moved from one hotel to another. And, and churches working with a, a charity called Baby Basics were able to help 4,500 children get everything they need. New clothes, new pushchairs, new prams, so they could arrive and thrive here. It was beautiful. And then what happened? Then we 
watched this war going off in Europe. And I thought, oh my goodness, could the church be part of a solution to helping Ukrainians arrive and be safely welcomed here? And that's how I started this Charity Sanctuary Foundation. And the vision there is, wouldn't it be amazing if the church leads with love? That the first experience of coming to the UK was hospitality. Hands up if you know somebody um, who, uh, in your circle of friends, or you personally, are hosting someone from Ukraine. Hands up if you know someone that's doing that. Yes, brilliant. Congratulations. Round of applause to, to you and your friends. This thing that's happening is incredible. There's about 120,000 Ukrainians that are in the country in four months. And, and three quarters of them, 80, 85,000, are living with people like you and your neighbours. And, and that has never happened in British history before. The last time anything close happened was in 1939 when 10,000 Jewish children were rescued from the Nazis. So we're making history. And I know you're going, oh my goodness, the nation's got problems. There's issues with the cost of living. We've got this terrible Rwanda deal. In the middle of that mess, there's been a revolution of hospitality. And it's been amazing. And so my, my job now, my vision now, is let's get as many people as possible to offer that hospitality to Ukrainians. Because if the gospel isn't seen and heard by people that are sharing a house with you, chances are you're not actually a follower of Jesus, right? So if Christians can open their homes and welcome people to see the gospel lived out, that's a game changer. We're already seeing thousands of Ukrainians want to find out more. It's offered with no strings. There's, there's no, you know, you have, if you live with me, you've got to do an alpha course. No, no. You're welcome, whatever's going on in your life. But if you want to know why we're doing this, we'd love to share that with you. That's simple, isn't it? And it's beginning to change churches up and down the nation. So I believe we're in a Kairos moment. Personally, uh, firstly, because of this refugee crisis, we've never seen anything like it. And it would be amazing if more of you wanted to be part of that. That would be fantastic. But whatever your circumstances I believe those verses from Mark are still true for every one of us here. The time has come. The Kairos moment has come. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Our God offers all of us that fresh start this autumn. A bigger fresh start than opening an exercise book and writing your name neatly. A fresh start that says your whole life can be different because God is at the center of it. A life filled with loving God and loving your neighbor, showing mercy and kindness to anyone that you come into contact with. That's our opportunity right now. I'm going to invite you to stand and uh, join me, if you'd like to, uh, in a little prayer. And I guess there's, there's two groups of people that might want to hear this prayer. One is uh, you might be someone on your journey. Maybe you're in a prison cell. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in Colchester or Bury St. Edmunds. You might want to say to God, here I am. I want that fresh start. That's for half of us uh, or some of us here this morning. The other group might be, Lord, would you take me on this adventure of hospitality? Maybe I can't take a refugee in, but maybe there's something I can do to show your unconditional love to people that need it. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you 
that when you sent Jesus into the world, you were like releasing an arrow of love and compassion into our planet, spearheaded by the Lord Jesus himself. And thank you that you offer every single person, every man, woman, and child a fresh start this morning. A start to say, look, no matter what I've done with my life, however broken, however damaged, however I've messed things up, you offer me a fresh start, a fresh page, a fresh life. Thank you, Lord God, for that new opportunity. And I pray for anyone that needs that fresh start this morning, they would have the courage to step forward and put their trust in what Jesus did on the cross to give us life and life in its fullness. But Lord, I also pray for each one of us this autumn that would seize the Kairos moment that we're in to offer hospitality and kindness. Lord, there are families that are going through incredibly tough times because of these rise in prices and, and energy bills. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the needs of those around us that we could offer your love and compassion. But Lord, we're also in the middle of a global crisis of refugees. Lord, would you help us to walk in your ways that people might see your goodness in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.